Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John puts all his memories in the cloud and begs me not to tell him the score of the game. Meanwhile, I perform in front of 16,000 people and hurt myself playing ice hockey. Plus a conversation about toxic hustle culture and finding the delicate balance between self-improvement and contentment. Today's episode is not sponsored by TikTok. You're going to get injured. You may as well record it and make some money. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Another January edition of Talk About That. I'm John here with my colorful co-host, Johnny W. Okay. I like that. Are you like the color commentator of this thing? I don't think of myself as very colorful, but... Do I do the Mm play-by-play? And you do the... Yeah. I would offer the weird, like, non-sequitur story that has nothing to do with what you just said. And you'd have to, like, somehow get us back on track. (laughs) You know? That's right, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, it looks like a fumble. They're going to wait for the review, and I go, I like peaches. <laughs> and then you'd be, you know, you'd have to figure out a way to, like, okay, then. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, peaches are slippery because yeah. they fumble. Yeah. Um, speaking of, yeah. are you following the NFL playoff race? Of course. Are you watching, like, every game? You've been on the road a lot, so I Yeah, don't but we get, I've got to watch some of each game, and then we have to go do shows. Yeah. So it's a bummer. You leave and then you come back and go, oh, then, you yeah. Know. But um, we were in um, the we were in Toronto during the Chiefs and uh, Bills game, and we missed the second most of the second half. And then it was starting to end, and then we were trying to get somewhere. Uh, there was a restaurant that was closing, but they were staying open for Nate. I'm on tour with Nate Bergazzi, so they were staying open wow. like an extra hour. And it was going to be just us in there. And I was like, oh, this, what a cool thing. Like, what a neat, oh, yeah. you know, this little Italian restaurant in Toronto, which known for uh, known, yes. quality <clears throat> Italian food. It's yeah. called Uncle Tony's, which is, it's funny to me. Yeah. Uh, so Uncle Tony's. Hey. Hey, Uncle Tony. Hey. So uh, he, we get there, but we, you know, uh, he was, Nate was running behind. He was in a different Uber because he was, he was doing some meet and greets. And then we all, the crew and some other comedians, we go over there and we're sitting and we realize They've let some other couple in. Ugh. So they're there having their, I don't know if it was a first date. It looked very auditiony. You right. know how, like, you can tell when somebody's, like, on their first or second or third date. Right. It's very, like, your real personality will not emerge for months. Right. It felt like that if to me. If not years for some of it us. It felt like that to me. It was a middle-aged man, middle-aged woman. And uh, so they're talking it up. And then we come in with our table for 10. 
and there's nobody else in the restaurant. And he doesn't notice how weird this is. Like the guy's just like, well, I thought we had the place to ourselves. Okay. Then he realizes he was at the show. No. So now it's worst case scenario because again, I don't ever want to be whatever. And I I don't think we should have a restaurant to ourselves. I'm not, I'm not that guy. No, I'm, I'm disgusted. It's just, he immediately starts in with like, you know, people want to be funny themselves and he's trying to impress his date. And then, then he kind of goes back to talking to her. But I mean, literally he's right to the next table. He's one table over. Mm. So we start talking about the bills game because I'm listening to it. The, you know, the, the last few plays I'm like, we're listening to it in the, in the Uber ride over on a little shuttle bus mm-hmm. and a little sprinter van. So we get there and it's like, they have a kick, you know, the bills are going to kick the field goal to force right. overtime. You know, whatever. He's never missed a kick in his life. I yeah, yeah, I forgot yeah, what the guy said right before it. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> 40, 41 yards or whatever. Yeah. And maybe even less. I can't remember what the kick was for. I It was a chip shot. I'm just kidding. And so I find out at the table he's missed the kick. Because now it's Kansas City ball. I'm just looking at the play-by-play like on the app. I'm not right. I'm not listening to the game because I don't want to be rude and have the big, you know. Sure. So I'm like, I go, he must have missed the kick because now it's Kansas City ball. And they're, it's still the same score. And and so the table starts talking about, like, are you kidding me, Scott Norwood, all over again? We're thinking about the 90s teams, the uh-huh. Bills teams that lost four Super Bowls in a row. And we're talking about it. And then the guy at the table, who has kind of, like, kept to himself for the first, you know, 10 minutes of our interaction. Because he did, when he first got, hey, great show, great show. And then he realizes Nate's coming, but he didn't say anything about that. But then he heard us talking about the Bills, and he goes, hey, let me stop you. Like, he kind of interjects himself into our... Oh, no. Let me stop you if you're talking about the Bills. I recorded the game. Please don't... Uh, do not ruin the game. Like, he gets very, like, whatever. Oh. And I go, eh. So we're now we're not allowed to talk about the <laughs> Bills game. He said this to strangers. He did. And I thought to myself, he can't have overheard what we just said, because all we're talking about is Scott Norwood. We're talking about the Bills. You know, I talked about how, when I was a kid, the thing I remember the most is David Letterman... Doing a monologue joke, Bill stands for Boy, I Love Losing Super Bowls. <laughs> and so we're talking about the history, the, the long-suffering history of that fan base and how they kind of choke and whatever right. in a big moment. And it's sad to me because they're such a great cold-weather town. They're long-suffering yeah. fans. I love the fan base. And I want them to win. I wanted them to win that game, but they've choked. We've said it over and over again at the table. And then this guy, hey, before you get going, just so you know. <sighs> so now we have to just change the conversation. Did and you? again, I, we did. So, but you weren't happy about it. I'm, I'm letting this guy have it now. So if he's a what listener. What if he's now a listener? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying the guy, it's just interesting like that you would do that to somebody you don't know. Hey, don't bring up the, yeah. like you and I have a rule. We, we call it radio silence. Right. You'll text me. Hey, I'm at a volleyball game. I'm not watching the Vols game. Do not text about it. Maintain radio silence. Maintain radio silence. I go, got it. I text you and my father-in-law. Because you're the sometimes two. I'll send back a text like, "Oh, so you're not watching this crap?" Like I'll be like, "You can, we won't believe this." You know, I try to just throw you off the scent, you know, a little bit. Well, my father four fumbles in a row. Like I can't. I'm just trying to get you to. My father-in-law. We now have a very good understanding because there have been times, yeah, where I'd be like, "By the way, today's his birthday. Happy birthday!" Oh, happy birthday, Johnny Canada! And I would be like, which sounds like a superhero from Toronto. He'd be like, "Hey, are you watching?" I'm like, "No, I've got it recorded. Watch later." He'd be like, "Well, look." I'm not gonna tell. I'm not gonna tell you anything about it. Yeah, but I'll just say this. I'm like, no. He's like, no. I'm just no, no. I'm not gonna tell you anything about it. <laughs> I'm just gonna say this. Like, no. I'm not begging him. He's like, no. But 
I'll just say this. 30 points is a lot to come back from or whatever. Like, you know? <laughs> I didn't tell you the score. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> I'm just telling you, if I was a Vol fan, I'd rock out in front of a bus. But you can watch the game if you want. You can do what you want. How, Listen, it ended, I couldn't how you spend your day is up to you. I would find something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's just it's just funny like the the idea of like that personal like i get sports fans are a little bit different anyway and you just have a thing of like you know you're a fanatic for your team and you don't want somebody ruining the game for you everybody has those moments where you've taped the game and then you hear you hear something anyway then he got a text from a friend oh so someone else ruined it some somebody like halfway through dinner he goes we can talk about it now somebody just texted me uh, they choked and then he wanted then he wanted to talk about it yeah. And um was he nice when he said it? He wasn't super nice. But he, is that I think he was coming on a little strong. He's just one of those like, hey, I think he's from Buffalo and he mm. drove across the border to Toronto. Well, then to you're get, saying he's he's an embattled fan base. So and, he maybe yeah. was coming maybe maybe there's a little But I'm also saying he's like a he's like a a brash New Yorker type. Yeah. Well, well, really, shout out coming to our on, New York coming on a little strong. For me, for as a Southern person, I was like, okay, this guy's like oh, bro. interjecting himself into... Where's your sweet tea? And, exactly. Yeah, you're... I did a joke on stage in Toronto. By the way, it's the biggest crowd I've ever been in front of by three times. It was it was 16,000 people. Holy cow. In the round. So I'm having to learn to... I have to learn to... I told you this last episode, right, that I was going to have to learn to walk. Yeah. Because you can't just stand and deliver when people are in the round because you're in the center Right. And your back is going to be to people who there are screens above you in the cluster yeah. uh, uh, in the center, but if but a lot of, like a few thousand of these people are underneath this cl- the cluster, they're really close to the stage. Some might so say they're beholding the cluster. They are beholding the cluster. <laughs> Am I right? So they're looking at you. They're not looking. At, they can't see the screen. They're right underneath them. So okay. So you have to give them something to look at. So if you know what I mean. So <laughs> I had this. I got a sachet Chante, and so. I gotta shake my moneymaker or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a moneymaker. I'm not I, making much money. money. <laughs> my moneymaker. My moneymaker is the jokes. Uh, That's funny. But Nate's dad did a great joke because Nate Nate's dad opened for him in Newark. And by the way, he's so fantastic. Yeah. Like I cannot tell you how much he reminded me of Pastor Roy, our children's pastor. Right, because they're both magicians. They're both magicians, and they both do kind of these tricks that can go wrong, or they have like a message to them. Uh It it felt, and he's so sweet. Like, what a sweet man. Yeah. And, but he was so funny, and uh, he did this bit about how like, uh, uh, he would talk about, he would pull somebody from the audience or talk to somebody in the audience, and he goes, how much did you pay for that seat? And he goes, I know what you pay. And he goes, it's too much. He goes, you don't watch a comedy show. You listen to it. So you people in the back, you're doing it right. And then they'd all cheer. You know, he's just <laughs> such a, it was just such a funny pander. He does this trick where he cuts rope. He goes, I saw this guy when I was a kid. Maybe I want to be a magician. He cut the rope once and he held the two pieces. Then he cut the rope later again. I go, those are fake scissors. There's no way he's really cutting it. But it was, it was eight pieces. By the time he gets, he goes, eight pieces. He goes, and then by the end of it, he pulled that rope and it was all together and he pulls the thing and it, and it all just, all the eight pieces fall on the ground. He goes, I never learned how to do it. That guy was good. Y'all should have got him. Honestly, that guy, amazing. It's so funny and disarming and sweet. And what a great guy. But anyway, that was a blast. But, but yeah, like you listen to a comedy show. Yeah. But you're also watching. And if you sit up close, you want it. So I was having to learn to turn and I'm just doing, but I had a couple of Canada jokes that I 
you know, did for the Toronto crowd okay. that I didn't do for the other crowds. Okay. One of them was that I'm from the South, right. just like Nan like from Tennessee. And I said, I think Canadians are honorary. You're like Southerners. You're the most like Southerners. And they kind of like were nonplussed by that. Like, what is he going to say? And I said, look, you have you you have a weird accent and you are suspiciously polite and you put gravy on everything. That's Southern. <laughs> You're Southern. That's yeah. Which it got a good laugh, which I was grateful for because I was like, this is a risk. You know, this is like my opener thing. But they were so great. It's so strange hearing laughs come from around you three-dimensionally right you're used to them coming from one direction uh or at a one direction show yeah that's- but no you're you're there and it's like it's such a weird feeling and i did not like the i did not have a, never got a comfort level of the walking i can't imagine that anyone would you're just like is this too <clears throat> fast like i kept thinking to myself is this too much am i turning too quickly yeah because you walk in like a there's an eight foot by eight foot box they want you to stay in. So that's when you're the most well lit for the cameras yeah. to put you on the screens. And they go, if you get out of this box, you could lose you, especially a six, four guy like you, Johnny, you'll be, your face will be dark. So don't walk out of this box. So I'm trying to stay in the box, but not look down at the ground, mm. keep my head up, but know where the box is. But also like, yeah. am I turning too fast? Should I, should I turn, should I walk on a punchline? You don't walk on a punchline. Oh. That's weird. And then there's cameras at the four po- corners. So you kind of want to deliver the punchline to a camera. Yeah. So I'm trying to. That's I just real. Yeah. I'm not used to that timing going on in my head. I'm just used to the timing of the joke. The joke. Not the timing of moving with it. You're not trying to stay in a box. You're trying to think outside the box. Nate, and- d- Nate doesn't move a lot usually anyway either. And he said now that he's done a bunch of these, though, he's getting used to it. And he likes the challenge of like, now I'm going to mix it up and put deliver to this. Can-. He says I, he likes it now. But I, I did not get used to it the whole weekend. Wow. So I'm, I'm, it's going to be a while before I get in the flow, I think. But I did well, and the shows were good. So I'm glad. Uh, listen, I've I've seen the show, and I've heard yep. great things about all the others. Yeah. You know what else I heard great things about, Johnny? What's that? Our sponsors. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. We should take a moment and hear uh, from a few of them. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. I think it was one of the best shows I've ever been to. It's, <coughs> sorry, it, I got choked up. <laughs> I get so excited. I think about you're it. right. No, it's so tight now. His hour, his new hour, and of course, all the openers are. They all have an hour themselves. Sure. That they could do. They're all doing ten minute spots or whatever. But everybody's such a pro, or they have TV spots or whatever. They're just great. So it's a such a quality show. And then Nate's new hour. I think it's his best hour. Like, I think it's better than Hello World. I can't wait for people to see it. I think he records in April. 
for Netflix, and um, it's going to be something. Where like, it's going to vault him to another stratosphere, I think. I think it's going to find him an even larger fan base because it's that good of an hour. Yeah, it's very good. Well, where will he record? I think that one's in Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, he's doing it at the Suns basketball arena. Wow, two shows. Wow, that he'll do and then he'll record. But yeah, it's uh, by then. Who knows? I mean, it's so tight now, and he's still adding and moving. He's moving things around, moving the pieces around. But even from when I did the show with him in Knoxville in December versus what we just did, it was a few weeks. Yeah, and, and he was still... off. He was off one of those weeks or two of those weeks. So it's like it's still getting better and tighter, and he's adding, and you just go, man, this guy. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and it's so cool to be along for the ride, you know. And um, so I'm grateful to him. Although I, you know, you heard from the last episode before we I left for the road, I was getting sick. Yeah, and I was getting worried. I, you know, they put me on steroids and all that. And I'm just like, okay. I knew right. I wasn't contagious, but I was like, I don't love the idea of being on the road and sick. And you'd be like Johnny on steroids. Yeah, yeah I was. I was Johnny on steroids. Yeah. And you just you're trying to be a good hang. And there's social media. Like, he has a guy that's his tour photographer and videographer that goes out with him. Yeah. And so they're constantly have a camera in your face. And they're trying to get content of just hanging. Yeah. So, I mean, it was uh, a lot. And But you're going to do cool stuff. We played ice hockey. Wow. I don't play ice hockey. No, I've I not mean, been on skates three times my whole life. How many times did you fall? Let me tell you this. I... So we get out there and I'm like, all right, let's, cause they go, you don't have to put on skates if you don't want. But I was like, I'm going to do it because Nate didn't put on skates, by the way. He put on these like cleat things that are, they have a little grip, okay. spikies. And so you can stay up on the ice. Yeah. And then we started smacking pucks around. I'm like, well, I've never done this ever. So I'll try it. And this is probably day three or four of me being not feeling great. Yeah. And I'm like, so I started to like turn the corner a little bit. So I had some energy. I just sounded bad. Yeah. You know? And, you know, but I didn't feel fatigued as bad. But I'm like, I've not been on ice skates since like Ober Gatlinburg as a youth group member. Right. You know, or whatever. Or hanging out with the kids as a youth leader. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, let's put these ankles on razor blades and see what happens. Let's just go out there and just wobble around. But I didn't want to be that guy. So I got put them on and I got going. And again, I don't look graceful on them, but I didn't fall. I did wow. not fall until... So like we're finishing we and I was like we're doing like three on three drills. Did you have a helmet on? No, we're doing no, and it could have gone so bad. Oh yeah, you get a con- get concussed. Yeah, you know, have to go home with a broken arm or whatever. Ice is not forgiving. No, you know, if you fall on that, and you're an old man. Like, and I'm the oldest guy. I'm the senior member of that group. Probably. Oh, like yeah. Nate's forty four. I'm forty nine. Oh, so like it's just years I'm makes a, a big difference. Brittle, I'm a brittle old man. Like a- so time bomb. we're out there and, you know, it's fun. We're taking like shots all the way from the back corner of the ice. It's almost like shooting from, you know, the end line. Yeah. Kind of shoot up. We're just swipping the, and I keep thinking like, I'm going to swing this and it's going to like cause me to, the whiplash of that's going to make me fall. But it didn't. I kind of hung in there, but I look at the video because they took a ton of video. And yeah. I mean, I look so awkward, but I didn't fall. I'm just like, you try to get your gather, you gather, you keep regathering, right. you know? But then I thought. Well, now I started skating around. I'm like, I can skate. Like, I'm I'm not able to stop very well. It's like roller skating. Do these have, like, the toe pick? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. These were like, if you wanted to be a good skater, you could do it with these. They had all the gear. But it's like, you got to know that. And you just can't. Because they would just cause me. It would fling me forward, and I'd just go head over heels. But 
So I didn't do that, but I just kind of let myself slow down. Then I would slowly turn and come back. But I could build up some speed to do that thing where you shoom, yeah. shoom, shoom, shoom. And I was like, I just want to get it. I go, Mike, Mike's one of the other comics. I go, Mike, my friend Mike James, hey, take a video of me with my phone. I want it. This is at the end. We're all done, basically. I was getting off the ice. Hey, take a video of me. I just want to get a thing of me going like one direction. Then I'm going to come back and I'm going to stop at the, you know, you're like, boom, you just stop yourself uh-huh. at the railing. Uh-huh. And I go, get a video of me coming at you full speed. He goes, cool, cool, cool. He took a video. I go, I, go, shoom, shoom, shoom. I come at him, stop. And then I go, whew. And then he kept filming as I go to get up. Like, so I'm going to go get off the ice now. Yeah. And you know, when you go to get off the ice, there's that door and there's like, a, you have to step up. Yeah. Because there's like a little, there's a little door uh-huh. frame. And I didn't do it. And I, I crumpled into a heap. I have to see this. Video. And literally, like, I, f- I folded myself because you're now the, the skates don't work, right? I'm, I'm folding over right. my ankle. And I just, in, I mean, I bent so wrong that it pulled something in my back. Like, I felt something <laughs> oh, in my back no. pop, like, as I fell. And then I jump up and I'm like, okay. And then people run over, are you good? Like, the people that work at the, are you okay? We got one, you know, code blue or whatever. <laughs> I jump up, you know, embarrassment adrenaline. I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. On the and I look, I look up, Mike is still filming. <laughs> yes, and he's Mike. laughing. He goes, are you good? I go, yeah. I go, did you film? He goes, oh, I got it all. <laughs> so I'm going to post that today. I'm actually going to post that I, on socials. Yes, I can't wait. Yeah. It wow. was rough. And I'd gone all day without falling. I mean, it'd been like, you know, whatever, 45 minutes. But oh, wow. it was, uh, <laughs> I was proud of myself. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, you're you're a mere mortal. That's uh, Johnny. That's 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 amazing. I love it. Yeah. Imagine what all we catch now. If me and oh, you back in the old college days, could you imagine? We would probably catch some cool stuff, but we'd catch a lot of like, oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. And then you post it, and you go, maybe I'll go viral and make a little money on this. Yeah. yeah. We could have supplemented your entire college experience with just some. Well, I could have used. Yeah. You could have um, used the help. If nothing else, from the, like Laura and I sat back. Last night, and we remembered our first house that we bought in yeah. Marable, mm-hmm. and we went through so like it was like um, you know EMDR in therapy, which I've never done, but it supposedly helps you unlock parts of your memories. Yeah, that you are. What not, does it stand for? Uh, uh, EMDR is EMDR. Yeah, it's 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 an eye eye movement. Okay. So there's like a, a device with a light or something, and you oh, see it. Oh, right. It, yeah. I don't know what the... This feels like new agey to me. Well, I could just look it up. Do whatever you want. You want but. No, I mean, it's like, a, it's like a total... But you don't think they're planting these memories? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. Okay. But uh, EMDR therapy, Johnny, stands for... Electronic? Yeah. Dysmorphic? EMDR... Is it tr- Electronic, it's eye, it's medical... Dysmorphic retinal definition. It's got a wow. Can no one please just? Would you? Do, we need our echo dot in here. I need to bring the echo dot to the studio so that we can just be like ask it things. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Okay, that's what I was going. So I had the eye movement. Been, right? would have been, would have been my guess. I didn't know where the others. Anyway, we were just. It's amazing though. The memories when we got into the memories. Yeah, how many came? How yeah. many triggered other ones? But you didn't use this. You just were talking amongst just yourselves. Just talking. But yeah. we, we drilled down, you know, and I just... You don't have that device. Like, Laura's not shining a light in your eyes. No. Be like, tell me what you remember about the, the first house. 
<laughs> Tell me now. Give, What's your pen number? Where are the documents? Yeah. Um, it, but it's like how much of life we've forgotten. Yeah. Or we haven't forgotten, but you don't know that you don't think of. And that's yeah. why the videos, like Sadie's life, I go out with other night because my Google photos will back everything up. Right? Oh, right. Yeah. Compared to your photos yeah. of you as a kid, there's so many thousands more. I think I have 75,000 yeah. videos and photos. Mm-hmm. I mean, somewhere on in the cloud. I mean, 75,000. Yeah. And because I mean, often I'll take a picture, I'll take 10 to try to get the one good uh, one or whatever. And you don't delete the other nine once you get the one. No. So they just stay. I think it was Jesus that said. Oh, wow. Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? And so because only of that, one leprous photo returned, returned to say thank you, <laughs> which I preached on that, by the way. You did. Someday. Um, but I just think of like, what would we have captured? Yeah. You know, like I, I did the whole driver family history thing. We lived it, John. Yeah, we lived it. It's like it. the country song. You should have seen it in color. Yeah, but we forgot it. Now, did we though? No, but, but we have to stop and really yeah, you think. Have to, you have to make yourself. Say to me like, you know, I have a video of that or whatever. If it's something significant. But does that cheapen it, do you think? Maybe. I don't know. Does it mess with your mental capacity? Oh, I don't know. Because I try to help my mind be sharper. You know what? I, the, the one thing I do to help my mind be sharper, John. You want to know what it is? Uh, hold on. Um, juggle? No. Oh. No, I'm horrible juggling. Yeah. Um, life and for real. Um, no, it's whenever I have to request a code, mm-hmm. like a two, two factor authentic, auth- <laughs> yeah. Authentic. Two factor, two factor authentication. Thank you. Authentication. Um, then I never copy mm-hmm. and paste it. I try to memorize the number before it disappears from the text. Oh, wow. Cause it comes up on my, on my computer. It's like a little, so I don't look at my phone. You give yourself. Yeah. So if it comes up, it's usually six to eight numbers. Yeah. I will look at it and I know I have like four seconds before this little notification is going to go away. Right. And I do my best to memorize the number you and pretend then pretend it's it a in. missile code. Right. And I have to know Turn your now. key at the same time. Dude, as I could Laura. be in the FBI. I could see the license plate. That's all it takes to get in the FBI now. That's what they say. They say, Hey, can you say the six digit number <laughs> back real quick? And they go, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need. Here's your dossier. Now get on this plane. You're like, this feels really like y'all should have better. Okay. Uh, whatever. Go, Here's your badge. Yeah. They didn't even like, didn't do a background check. Off you go. So. <laughs> I got really knows numbers. Hey, John, I think it's that time. Oh, is it? I think it's time uh, for us to think through mm. the thoughts of others. Okay. Reflect upon them. It's a little. It's a little part of this podcast episode that uh, I like to call They Talked About That. Johnny. Wonderful. uh, British novelist E.M. Forster said, We must be willing to let go of the life we have planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. Yeah, that's good. Like, how much do plans? I, I, I have an expression um, I say to the church sometimes, and that's "Show me your expectations, and I'll show you where you're disappointed." Mm-hmm. You know, because expectation is, uh, I think, the key. To, in fact, I think about this a lot. Yeah, as a dad, even um, like I keep rewriting this. Like all the disappointments you have. No, based on your expectations. <laughs> All the you know, as a dad. No, I'm never disappointed uh, in my kid. No, that's not what I mean. But like the she, though, at yeah. that age, especially, it's yeah. it's um, you know, they're not aware of what they were expecting this to be. Yeah, you know, 
so some things like like the, the latest way I wrote this was prepare and pray for what might be, mm-hmm. hope and pray for what could be, expect nothing, yeah, but God's faithfulness, and then accept with grace and humility what is. Other ways I've said it: um, prepare for the worst, hope and pray for the best, mm-hmm. expect nothing, and then accept what is. I mean that's the simpler version. Like yeah. when you get to the point of what's the difference between my, when you can't differentiate your hopes and your expectations, yeah, that's where great disappointment, especially right. if you had no preparation for what could go wrong. <laughs> yeah. So if you only thought, and most people don't go in, I think, to a situation thinking, oh, this is going to be perfect, especially the think about how much older we are now. We did this when we were in our band in college. Mm-hmm. We would go in and we expected the best. There wasn't like hoping for the best. But right. we we didn't know we were expecting it. Yeah. But we were like, oh, this is going to go great. Well, yeah, it's just like that roller coaster. Yeah, being on your expectations not being met, and then you rebuild them, and yeah. And then we get disappointed again. Yeah, how easily it gets dashed. Mm-hmm. And then you get dashed a few times, and then you, in some ways, you start expecting the worst, and that's not good either. Yeah, but I agree with the quote. It's like you got to live the life that you have. Right. You, you There's a time to push for a better life. But it's, yeah, if you just are constantly thinking about what could be, it's such a trap, you know? Yeah. Um, and you're, you probably will catch yourself not living the life that you really have or not being grateful for what you have. Yeah. Our mutual friend, Caleb Edwards, has been on the podcast before. Um, yes. Talented songwriter, musician. Um, we were talking about this this week and he said, he, he's like, you know, I think sometimes in life, it's like God spends all this time sharpening you mm-hmm. into this certain kind of, something for a very specific use like he's forming you and then it feels like just when you get to be exactly what you think he's been sharpening for then he just takes you and puts you over here and hangs you on a nail and starts doing something else with you and it feels very we had this conversation it feels almost wasteful sometimes when you follow if you really follow the life that you have not the one you think well i've been prepping or i've been and that may not be what God at that, maybe he just wanted to sharpen you. It may not been for the use that you thought it was going to be. Right. You know, and I, cause I'm, I really do believe what, who God is forming us into is more, it, it is his greater goal or his only goal, really. I think he can accomplish all the purposes of things, but we're such a go do the life yeah. that you, you know, that you see in the future. And, he, you know, we were raised in that sort of time of, Sending kids in the mission field like crazy, trying to get them to commit to those things. And they're, they're wonderful endeavors. I'm not, but we need those endeavors. But there was not that sense of. Like God's trying to make you a servant. He's trying to make you like him versus God needs you or he can't accomplish these things. Right. You're the hands and feet. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I, I agree because the body has hands and feet and that's the metaphor scripture yeah. uses. But accomplishing those things, <clears throat> like you said, God could accomplish those things on his own. He's trying to form something in you while you accomplish those things. And if you're not looking at that, like, what am I becoming? Well, if it's all about just the tasks, look at all these tasks I accomplished for you, God. And it's not like, what did I become right. because of these tasks? You know? Yeah. And you may not get the tasks that you wanted mm-hmm. or that you assumed or expected. Right. Yeah. And that's the big can, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think, don't want any tasks. <laughs> <about that. laughs> I think if you, I think the, the greatness of contentment is found in, and this is something that when I did 12 step recovery, one of the 
major phrases that came out for me uh, was the life I have right now is the one that God has given me. Yeah. It's a really hard truth to accept like the, yeah. the, the life I have right now, because we are, I am so much into the life I've planned. Like that's, that's why this quote speaks to me. But the one I have right now, if I, if I believe, I think that's the big sort of contingency. If I believe all the other things I say, I believe, right. Then this must be the actual conclusion that aligns with my beliefs, mm-hmm. not the functional way that I live, which is, Oh, the life I have now is always moving towards Mm-hmm. The life I should have, or I should feel some level of discontentment because that's just part of like uh, that shows you care. Well, you can never be fully. You got to be growing every day towards something, or you're just like that's the thing I think American hustle culture kind of did to us. Where like if you don't work an eighty hour week, what are you even doing, man? Right. You gotta, you know, you gotta throw. You have to sacrifice something, and then you realize, well, people's families got sacrificed because of that stuff, right? You know, and we gleefully threw ourselves into. Well, this is just what it is, man. If you want to be the best, you got to be willing to stay late, like or like the company's like, we're a family here. You're like, all right, you're about to get manipulated when they say that. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. We're all like a family here, right? We need you to <laughs> we need you to work Saturday. Yeah, you know, you're like, ugh. I just think there's a time, like there's a balance to that stuff where, yes, you should be always growing and pushing, but at the same time, man, there's a time to be like, wow, there's a there's a contentment to be had. And I think that, I don't know, it feels like people are settling when they talk about contentment. And I think that's the Americanization of that word or that, you know. Oh, yeah. If you see somebody content, you almost feel sorry for them. Like, he doesn't even know right. that he could have been great. He could have really been like, somebody. No, he's good. He's caught his limit. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah. Well, well we can't imagine a person being just fine. No. Well, the scripture say uh, contentment with godliness or sorry, godliness with contentment is great gain. And I think that we miss that. Like that's the real riches. That's what great gain means. I mean, yeah. that I, I think the older I get, the more I understand, oh, my bank account may not reflect. Yeah what American society would say is a rich guy, right? Well, that's the, the thing about the contentment. Godliness with a contentment is great gain. To me, it reminds me so much of the quote. I think it might have been C.S. Lewis that said, like, there's two ways to be rich. You can either acquire more or you can need less. Yeah. Like, I think people who need less have it. They they figured something out. Yeah. Like, if you always have to acquire more to be happy, like, it never ends. No. When we know that with inflation, like, things are just, you know, going to go up. Right. You know, you could buy a car for $7,000 when I was a kid. Go try to find a $7,000 car now. Like, it's only going to go up, up, up. And so it's like, if you need to just acquire more to feel something, mm-hmm. you got to keep hitting that button, yep. you know, like a rat in a maze. Like, you got to keep the dopamine thing going or whatever you do. Like, it, it it's yeah. a poverty way of living. Yeah. It, you may not have poverty in your bank account. Yeah. But it is a scarcity. Yeah. Because it's never enough. So. Well, we solved that. We did. We figured it out. Yeah. Thank you. That's, um, a, that's a good quote. Good quote of the week there. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I think uh, something to be, uh, well, I, I don't know. I, and again, as somebody who's trying to like, I'm trying to, to me, I want to get the most I can out of the gifts I've been given. And uh, so I never want to be like wasteful uh, as far as that. Okay, well, this is enough. Well, what if God wants me to do this with that gift? Or I'm supposed to be helping this many more people or how many events am I supposed to be doing a year? Should I do more fundraisers? Should I find the causes that I believe in and throw myself in? Should I have a foundation? Like all that stuff are worthy things to think about. But like, it's like when uh, there was a guy who would mentored me coming up in comedy 
and you know, we do a lot of, I do a lot of churches. And so like, he goes like, you gotta be careful with these churches. Sometimes they will take it. They'll try to take advantage. They'll be like, they know that you're, you're, you're a, have a ministry mindset sometimes. And they'll be like, well, this is what we have. And like, we're a minister. And you're like, okay. And then this guy told me, he goes, somebody's going to pay. Like either you're going to, like my time away from my family, either my family is going to pay right. because they have to be away from me for the weekend or you're going to pay. You know what I mean? It's like, he's like, I don't like, he, I don't like the idea that I have to apologize to somebody for what my services cost. Like at some time, at some point you take less and you do things and you do things when you really believe in, you love whatever. There's times and places to do that. Hey, I believe in this cause. This is the max budget they have. I do a ton of shows like that. But sometimes if you feel like, okay, there's a math in your head where you go, I have to be away from my, I have to make these sacrifices. So like somebody is paying and I just think there's an offset to that stuff. I don't know. I'm saying it wrong and somebody's going to think I'm all about the money and that's not what I'm, I'm sick of it. John, I'm sorry. I did share the scripture. Uh, to, I will close this section. Okay. This is such a good scripture for Sunday on this topic. Uh, first, first Timothy six, 17 through 19. As for the rich in this present age. And I stopped and like, guys, you may not think you're rich and maybe you're not. Maybe someone here, you're really struggling. But if we look at, the way history and yeah. the world lives, most of us fall into this category. Meaning that if I wanted to, if I wanted to get anything from any restaurant around me today, three times I would go do it. Right? You know, like mm-hmm. I, that, I wouldn't be able to not do it. It says, "As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on mm-hmm. the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy." And it, it, it's a very invitational verse to me. Like, it's a very not like, don't be rich, you know, and, but, and I'm not saying you should be rich. I'm just saying he's going to look, if you find yourself in this situation, this is contentment as well. This is, he acknowledges this. Don't set your hopes in the uncertainty of it all. Set your hopes on God because he richly actually provides for us for things to enjoy. To your point, if you're not enjoying your riches, then, yeah. then you're not, <laughs> what's the point of having them? And he says they are to do good, to be rich in good works and to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. And this is the great part so that they may take hold of that, which is truly life. Mm. I mean, so great First Timothy six, 17 through 19. That's in my, some of my daily stuff. Like, Hey, when I don't know what to do to your point, a foundation in, we've probably said this before. When I first started writing, I was, and this is such a hubris and to say this, but I was so afraid of becoming greedy. Mm-hmm. If I made money off of writing that, I was, I was worried that I would become the wrong kind of guy. And so I made a vow. You were mm-hmm. there, you know, to God that I would give away half of everything that I made as a writer. Yeah. And I thought, well, that way I, I tried to make a law for myself to keep myself from right. <laughs> becoming someone. And I did that for about the first decade. I gave yeah. away half. And then when I really came into grace as a mindset, I felt the Lord really correct me on that. Like, Hey, you made a vow that I didn't tell you to make, you know, right. and you're never going to vow or make a law that's going to change your heart. You're just going to have to live with me every day. That's that's how that happens. So I don't really desire your sacrifice. I desire your obedience. That's sort of how I felt like, how can you be obedient to this? Um, but I think that the, the attitude is the part here that they are good. You know, yes, they're to do good, to be rich in good works and to be generous. Their generosity is a disposition and ready. I'm ready to share. That's uh, what it says. And I, I just, I love that idea of taking, because in doing that, no matter what my life is, I'm taking hold of that, which is actual life. Like I'm, I'm living life and yeah. not just watching life go by. So I was bummed when you broke the vow because the half was going to me. Yeah. Well, you, 
needed a lot of help. Um. <laughs> you broke your vow. It's fine. Uh, John, speaking of the past, we yeah. weren't at all, but we were talking a little bit about like going back. If we had an EDMR, what was it? EDMR? Did I get it EMDR. right? EMDR. If we had an... If we had an EMDR right now, and we could, I could shine a googly, I could make your eyes go googly, <laughs> and I could be like, John, let's go back into the past. Uh, we would call that segment, Talk About Then. John, this week, 1932, mm. the English statesman and future Prime Minister Winston Churchill is prescribed this. By his doctor. Do you want to take a guess what it was? Hmm. Hold on. He was on a, he was on a lecture tour in the U.S. December of 1931 when he was hit by a car. He had stepped no. in front of a moving vehicle after forgetting that traffic drives on the right. No. So this is kind of a funny little whatever. I want to guess it was heroin. After recovering from the accident, he continued his lecture tour with his doctor giving him a prescription for alcohol to alleviate the pain. This is Prohibition era. Alcohol? So he needed a prescription for uh-huh. alcohol. Well, he didn't I mean, eat it I guess in England. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. In England, he was a drinking guy. Everybody drank. And so when he gets here... He has to get a prescription. I wonder if he walked in front of that car. <laughs> He's like, I need a drink. I got to have a I scotch. need a fender bender stat. <laughs> I did did not, you know this story? No, it's a great story. Not. This is amazing. So this is what it said from the doctor's note. This is to certify that the post-accident convalescence of the Honorable Winston S. Churchill necessitates the use of alcoholic spirits, especially at mealtimes. <laughs> the quantity is naturally indefinite, but the minimum requirements would be 250 cubic centimeters. Wow. This allowed him to circumvent the prohibition restrictions on alcohol consumption. <laughs> cubic centimeters? Yeah. I, Maybe that's... Okay. I is thought, that how we get a CC? I thought... Fluid- is that a CC? I don't is that know. what a CC two cubic centimeters oh, is? That's there. what it is. That's what when you say like I need fifty cc's of um, he needed two hundred fifty cc's of alcohol. Stat. CC in measurement stands for cubic centimeters. Thank you. Had to be a heck of a lecture wow. after he gets a little soused and he just gets up there and he's just another thing about the U.S. <laughs> that was not hit me again. Anyway. Sorry, that's my. That's how he sounds. He didn't have an English accent when he <laughs> when he drank. A lot of people don't know that because it's not true. Right, uh, John. This week, seventeen eighty four, Benjamin Franklin writes a letter to his daughter expressing his staunch disapproval of the eagle as our national symbol. Mm-hmm. He thought the bald eagle was of bad moral character. Uh. Found the turkey a more respectable bird. This letter is bananas. It's a couple of paragraphs. I just want to read some excerpts from his letter. For my own part, I wish the bald eagle had not been chosen the representative of our country. He is a bird of bad moral character. He does not get his living honestly. You may have seen him perched on some dead tree near the river where, too lazy to fish for himself, he watches the labor of the fishing hawk. And when that diligent bird has at length taken a fish and is bearing it to his nest for the support of his mate and young ones, the bald eagle pursues him and takes it from him. With all this injustice, he is never in good case, but it's like uh, he is like those among men who live by sharping and robbing. He is generally poor and often very lousy. Besides, he is a rank coward. The little kingbird, not bigger than a sparrow, attacks him boldly and drives him out of the district. He is therefore by no means a proper emblem for the brave and honest Cincinnati of America. Which Cincinnati of America? Does Cincinnati mean like 
beacon or he was using Cincinnati as a as a as a I don't know some kind of a anyway maybe maybe this is a typo but it says this the honest Cincinnati of America who have driven all the king birds from our country so he's basically saying like he can be driven out easily by a smaller bird he's a coward we drove out you know we you know took what we thought was ours blah 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 so we this is the wrong emblem for us wow I am on this account not displeased that the figure is not known as a bald eagle, but looks more like a turkey. For the truth, the turkey is in composition a much more respectable bird. <laughs> and with all a true original native of America, he is besides, though a little vain and silly, a bird of courage and would not hesitate to attack a grenadier of the British guards who should presume to invade his farmyard with a red coat on. Wow. So he's acting like this turkey would be so brave. <laughs> Well, maybe he would attack the British. I mean, if a British attack a farm, they're going to be like, get him. Wow. So many times I've been attacked by Turkey. So I can tell you that Franklin oh, was spot on. He was there. spot on. By the way, Lucius Quin, Quinquitus Cincinnatus, okay. 5 BC. Yeah. A Roman hero who saved the city from crisis and then retired to his farm rather than rule. Okay. So that's where he's thinking we're of a, yeah. I'm going to guess that's where that so came from. So to say he were a Cincinnati is like a, a high praise. Right. He's we're like a city on a hill. Roman we're a hero who refused. Well, again, he would fight, save oh, everyone, and then not take the, the, the loot for himself. But yeah. Give up power. Yeah. Just like the turkey. John, born this week, 1961, the great one. Do you know what I'm talking about? 1961? When I, say, when I say the great one, who do you think the great one is? Are we? Oh, um. Uh, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, yeah. the all-time leader in scoring, 2,328, and assists, 1,563. And he's won the MVP award a record nine times. Wow. Wayne Gretzky. I've, I've only won it seven. I'll tell you from my experience, like just being on skates and trying not to mm-hmm. die was crazy. And not to embarrass myself in front of other grown men. That was one thing. But mission accomplished, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Then put a stick in my hand. Then say, shoot this rubber thing at a net. Right. Now try to stop another guy from doing it. Right. Now do it backwards. Yeah. Now make sudden movements. While they're trying to fight you openly. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's when, it, when, you, when you see skating, when you see ice hockey, it really is. They are some of the best athletes. It's insane the stuff they can do. Yeah. And they can make that thing dance, and it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's very violent, too. And uh, that's our favorite part. It is. Wayne Gretzky, uh, happy birthday. Uh, finally, John, uh, born uh, this week, 1832, author Lewis Carroll. Do you know what he's uh, famous for? Lewis Carroll. 1832? Let me tell you a story, John. Uh, English mathematician and author Lewis Carroll, while on a rowboat to a picnic uh, with his 10-year-old daughter, Alice, she asked him to tell her and her sisters a story. He spun Alice the story Wonderland. of a girl named Alice and her adventures when she fell down a rabbit hole. So he came up, he came up with this in a rowboat. That's why I wanted to share this one, because I was like, this is some John stuff right here. You think I could come Where up with it? I just think you would try. Oh, well, well, let's see. It just seems like it, the girls would be, you know, Sadie and her friends would be like... I don't know if they would anymore. No. They'll have phones. They wouldn't be t- tell us a story. Right. But let's imagine. I mean, look at this story. Let's imagine it's... there's any purity at all left in this culture. And they'd be like, right. tell us a story, Papa. <laughs> and you'd be like, all right. And then he span the, he just spun this story out of nothing. Uh. And, uh, and of course, it's a classic. He then turned it into his most famous book, 
uh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, 1865. So he was born in 1832. When would this? I wonder when that rowboat would have been. When that rowboat ride. I wonder how long it was before he kind of made it. Well, it's like this. I got something here. Alice in Wonderland is. It, it, there's a lot. Yeah. Like it's very imaginative, especially for the time. It's a trip. Yeah, it's like and it's got yes. darkness to it. Yes. It's got you know the queen is insane and off with his head. Uh, Mad Hatter. It's maybe it has like this Brothers Grimm kind of influence going on because you know back then you're well. And it got really embraced in the '60s and '70s because like drug culture like loved the idea. Of, like eat this one, it makes you smaller. You know, <laughs> right. so you see a lot of like trippiness. Yes. interpretations of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Like the Tim Burton, obviously. I mean, it's just created the colors and all of it. But yeah, it's uh, anyway. He it was all from a rowboat ride. Wow, you know, that's you a never long know. ride. You never know when it's. Yeah, it's true. He was going across. Maybe that was just like the short. And he's like the Atlantic. Oh, I'll tell you the rest later. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you the rest later. But <laughs> Johnny, there was no rowboat, and yeah. that's the moral of the story. Yeah, um, he was the Mad Hatter. He, yeah, this is not a fictional story. So I didn't know that Alice was his real daughter. So that's kind of. Wow. That's kind of cool. It's kind of like Wendy's. Mm-hmm. People are just naming stuff Yeah, after people. I thought you meant Wendy from Peter Pan. I meant which Wendy's Which I think Wendy was, I think Wendy was a real person, too. Really? I think so. No, there's no way to know. We've looked up more stuff today than we normally do. That's true. <laughs> We're doing the work over here, people. I don't know what you want from <laughs> I mean, us. really fast in these Google searches. Yeah. Hey, Johnny, speaking of going to the web, though. If you want to go to do a Google search, look for talkaboutthatpodcast.com where you can see all of our archived episodes. Over 200, almost 300 now. Yeah, it's getting real close. And uh, you can click the upper right link. That's how you support the show. Get ad-free content. That lower right link, you can send us a note, which people have been. We've been getting a lot of, of cool uh, notes from you guys. We appreciate that. Yeah, people are very encouraging for the <laughs> most part. And the ones that aren't, you know what? They go straight to our trash folder. Yeah. Yeah. We know how to hit delete. I mean, we talk about living in a place where you can take criticism mm-hmm. on this podcast, yes. but we're not going to do it. No. Not not like as a podcast. Yeah, but I think admitting our hypocrisy makes us authentic. That's what it was. Yeah. I'm not living up to the standard, but it's saying that we're not living up to it. We're creating another standard. I told standard. you who I was. Yeah. The uh, whole time. Should have believed me. This guy. You should check out, if you want to know who Johnny is for real, though, Johnny W, J-O-N-N-I-E. Well, if you want to know the curated online image of Johnny. No, this is this all is more, This is more the real me. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, new clips coming out every week and tour dates. Yeah. Uh, still dropping. I think, I don't know when this will come out, but I'm in Dallas this weekend for a one-nighter at a church, and it's I'm very excited. Uh, Treach United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, scenic Flower Mound, Texas, yeah. near, near Dallas area. Flower Mound sounds like an amazing place. Just mounds of flowers. Mounds of flowers. It's, I don't know that there's a lot of flowers. It's kind of a deserty area up there. Those are mounds. Yeah. Maybe someone planted on them. Some of the cactuses flower. Desert. Yeah, it's a desert flower. They bloom. Yeah. Yeah. They used to call me desert flower in college, actually. That was my. That's weird. That's, yeah. No. No one ever called me that. John, the old desert flower (laughs) from parts unknown. Then you'd come in wearing a mask. You were at, who was your tag team partner again? I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I'll be doing that. And I have other shows coming up. Man, so much going on. Oh, so I've much. got some more tour dates with Nate coming up. I'm doing a marriage cruise. Oh, another one. Which I think you can still get on that. I think it's last, you have to, I mean, it's last minute. You're doing that with some friends of mine. Oh, right. Ted Cunningham. Oh, and, oh some, some friends. Yeah, David Ann Wilson. Oh, David Ann Wilson, who you wrote a book with. Uh, I'm working on their third book right now. Uh, vertical. Vertical Marriage was their vertical first. Marriage, yeah, vertical Marriage, Vertical Parent. 
Uh, the second one is No Perfect Parents. Oh. And uh, Diagonal. Diagonal. Diagonal Marriage. Yeah. They're great people. How to be the bishop you know how to be. <laughs> That's diagonal because you. You need to, yeah. You need to go meet them on the cruise. I'm I'm going to. I'm, uh, you know who else? Uh, Natalie Grant is on that. Oh wow. Ship. I've never worked with her. Uh, great uh, Christian artist. Uh, Selah. Remember that group? I do. They're doing worship on the boat. Yeah. So that'll be fun. I get to meet them, and uh, hopefully I'll get to enjoy some. We're going to the Caymans. Oh. We're going to Jamaica. Oh. It's going to be warmer there, John. Yeah. Wish you were stowing away. You can get in the suitcase. Oh. I got a big suitcase. It would have been... You got a little bit of time to slim down. <laughs> get in that suitcase. Just a little bit. You need to cut some carbs. You <laughs> had a little pancakes today. I ate some of the pancakes. I ate a lot of the pancakes. You ate a good two-thirds of those pancakes. No. Yeah. When she took it away, it was basically the outer rim, and I was like, <laughs> what are you doing? Just eat the rest of it. Who do you? Who are you kidding? Since the snowmageddon. Yeah. You can't eat good during the snow. You can't blame the snow. When you're snowed in, what are you going to do? Sit here and no. Yeah, you're trapped. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not not good. So, (sighs) you know what, listener? You're not trapped. And we appreciate the fact that you come by your own volition to listen to this podcast every week. It means a lot to us. And so, Johnny, I think we should do it again next week on Talk About That. God's power in your life. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.